Hey, I want to jump in. Last week we were talking about we're continuing our series, Anything But Average. And we've decided we're not going to live um, an average life, right? We've got, God's got a better, better plan for us. And as a matter of fact, that's what I want to start. I want to read a little bit of a lengthy section of Scripture this morning from Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read it from the message version of the Bible. So if that's uh, not the, Bible, the version that you have, this is going to be a little bit different. But uh, I think you'll get the gist of it. And I like how it says this. So I'm going to jump in here. Ready? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, starting verse 1, it says, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. I have to un I underline that. Nothing slowing us down, no sin that slows us down, right? Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I love that section of scripture. Anybody here ever find your faith? You ever, anybody here ever get down a little bit, just kind of dragging spiritually? None of you. Just me. I'm the only one who deals with that. All right. Well, pray for me, okay? So, uh, but man, that you can think about all Jesus did for us. It shoots that spiritual adrenaline into us. It lifts us. It makes us thankful. goes on. It says, in this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children? And that God regards you as his children. My dear children, don't shrug off God's discipline. Don't be crushed by it either. It's the child that he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. Come on, let's all say that together. This, this trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training, all right? Anybody, we're, we're in training, right? Training, okay? The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training us and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training uh, why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God's doing what is best for us. Training us to live God's holy best. I wish they'd put right there, anything but average. Doesn't that fit? At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained 
who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. I love that. That's another one I would underline or text out to somebody. It's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. So don't sit around on your hands, no more dragging your feet. Clear the path for the distance, long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step into a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. And so I, what I want to know this morning, is there anybody ready to run for it? Anybody ready to go for it with God? Ready to take the next step? Ready to come, ready to, come to this next place of maturity? That, that's kind of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks when we've been talking about anything but average. We've made a firm decision that says we're not going to settle. We're not just going to go through the motion. We're going to receive with joy what God has for us. We're going to let God train us, God ed educate us, God form us to be everything that he wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Am I talking to the right people today? All right, I just want to make sure we're the right people here. So uh, again, let me just join in with a couple of things. Say thank you. I'm thankful that you're here this morning. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for all of the great things that God is doing. I'm thankful to see people just continuing to move forward and grow in the grace and in the strength and the power of the Lord. But I, I don't think we've arrived. Amen? I, I really don't. I think last week when we talked about how to uh, be anything but average and how fear tries to hinder us. How many people just felt fear kind of get defeated last week? Anybody have fear just kind of cut off of their life? And uh, I like that illustration of kind of cutting the head off of a snake, you know. And, but um, as I was thinking about this this week, um, uh, as some of you know that snakes are not my, um, are not my thing. And um, I, I thought about this. Has anybody ever done that you've cut the head off of a snake, but then watched the body flip around and stuff and flop around? And so one of the great joys after doing this, I like to pick the um, snake up with a shovel. All right. And uh, then carry it out and put it on the burn pile. So, all right. And I, I, I don't mean to sound torturous here or something, but then I just, I don't know, it just makes me feel good <laughs> you know, that, 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 that that snake is going to be just burned up there and, uh, and, um, and that it's going to be consumed. Well, listen, sometimes, and I, this week as I was praying about it, I was thinking, you know what, there's other things. We, we cut the head off of the big thing, the big snake, the big thing, fear. But then there's other things that still try to mess with our life. There's matter of fact, I think that fear kind of tries to open the door and we get a whole uh, list of things. And I had a whole litany of things, man. I was going to contrast pride versus humility because I think really uh, fear kind of opens the door to pride um, and, and that opens the door to dishonesty and how important it is to live a life of integrity instead of dishonesty. And going to talk about isolation, how that sometimes our pride keeps us from wanting to connect with people. Either we're too good for other people or we're too important or we're too busy or what we talked about this morning we're a little bit afraid that if people really got to know us they really wouldn't like us that much and so we had this we have this uh, this uh, sense of isolation and the Bible warns about isolation and says instead of living in isolation we should get into community man I'm telling you guys this is this was gonna be a phenomenal message and and, uh, and self, you know, selfishness and how that God says we can't live selfishly, but we live selflessly. And we all know the statement, right, that says that, that being selfless is not thinking less of ourselves, but it's thinking about ourselves less. It's thinking about others more. Everybody should say, be, I mean, I figured you all be shouting and jumping up and down and cheering and waving your number one big foam signs in the state. I could see this going on this morning. 
Well, somebody must have been praying this morning <clears throat> because then I, uh, early this morning, I got a message from the Holy Spirit. And so as I was laying there, I was laying in bed and I was early, early this morning and I, and, um, the, I just really felt the Lord speak to me. And uh, here's what he said to me. He said, um, he said, Sam, I said, hey, good morning. Yeah, this is great. Middle of the morning, Lord, I guess you're up again, right? So, uh, and uh, he said, Sam, I just want to remind you, today it's a sermon, not a seminar. And um, so uh, today... <laughs> And uh, so I thought, well, I wonder who was praying there today, Lord, if you, you know, keep it short, God, right? So, um, so we're not going to focus on all those things, but sometime in the future we'll get those. But I do want to talk about two things very quickly this morning that can try to undermine our lives, that can try to, to cut our legs out from under us, that can keep us from being anything but average, okay? And, and God wants us to be above average. And, and if these things are part of our life, then they won't be. And, so, so let me just jump in, and I'm basically going to read a bunch of scripture this morning to you and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you're praying and talking to him about me and he's changing the sermons first thing on Sunday morning, then I'm going to talk to him about you. So, um, all right. So here we go. Um, the first thing is that I think that sometimes fear opens the door. And if we're not careful, we can cut the head off of the snake, but then we still deal with the things flopping around. And sometimes we've got rid of fear. Fear's out of our life. But there's other things that have become patterns in our lives. And one of those at times, I don't think anybody intentionally sets out to be this way, but these are patterns that can develop in our lives. And one of those patterns is laziness, okay, is becoming lazy. I don't hear any amen. Woo, preach on, brother. Say, yeah. <laughs> so, but um, let me just talk to you. Has anybody ever met somebody who's lazy? That somebody who's ever, they just got an excuse for everything. And, and matter of fact, they always, uh, they, they know better than everybody else. And that, that's what the Bible says. So let me look at a couple of scriptures here with you. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 24 says this. It says, a, a lazy man buries his hand in his bowl, reaches down into the bowl, and will not as much bring it up to his mouth again. Now, years ago, I heard somebody teach on the scripture. Matter of fact, she's here this morning. I heard Anita Williams, and, and every time I read the scripture, I think about Anita, and I think about her saying, can you all imagine now that a man that he would just take, and there's somebody who's already put food in his bowl, and he reaches over and just puts his hand in the bowl, and it just stays there. And he's so lazy, he can't even feed it. So all he's doing, he's doing, just feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Take care of me. It's all about me. And uh, that's what a lazy person does. Do you ever remember, do you remember teaching that? Says, Anita? Not really. <laughs> so, well, I'm blaming it on you anyhow. So I don't know if she really taught that. But, but a lazy person, it's just it's all about them. It's about them. They become wise in their own eyes. Proverbs 26, 16 says, The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Oh, man, experts at making excuses. Experts at blaming, you know, the dog ate it. And they've been to, the, they, they've been to 18 grandparents' funerals. And they've been to, you know, I mean, they've always got got some type of a story going on. Proverbs 22, 13 says, the lazy man says, I love this scripture, there's a lion outside. If I go out there, I'm going to be slain in the streets. Proverbs 26, 13 says, the lazy man says there's a lion in the street, a fierce lion in the streets. What I like about this is, at first it's just a lion, and then somebody's still pressing me. He goes, I can't go out there in the streets. It's not just a lion. It's a fierce lion. It's a hungry lion. If I go out there, it'll eat me. 
Now, the context of the scripture says he hadn't even looked out the door yet. He doesn't know what's outside. He's making excuses, right? He's a lazy man there. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26 says, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who sends them. Man, I think uh, I read a section of scripture this week in, in uh, 2 Samuel about a king who sent one of his uh, captains of his army to go in to do a job and he didn't show up on time and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so one of the other soldiers came and killed him because of it. Hey, putting lazy people in charge of things or depending upon them, it's dangerous for everybody. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing but the soul... Okay, the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter. Therefore he will beg during the harvest and he will have nothing. He doesn't put in the work. He doesn't do what's right to do. He doesn't, he doesn't um, put forth a, a diligence into preparing the land and planting and, and, and weeding out. Any, any farmers here? Anybody? I can remember um, when I was young, I, I worked um, in an agricultural area, southern Southern Delaware is very agricultural and um, had such glorious jobs as uh, cleaning out chicken houses. I'm telling you, that'll make you pray right there. That will improve your prayer life, no doubt about it. Or, or getting out in the field. I, I, I thought that hoeing watermelon fields uh, were just had to be the worst job in the world until I spent one day picking cucumbers, all right? Anybody... Anybody ever pick cucumbers? Okay, if you have, man, I am so sorry. I have great, greater respect for you. I just like, I know. People said, man, I can't imagine what hell's like. I said, I can tell you what hell is like, all right? Hell is like an endless row of picking cucumbers. I'm just telling you, you're bent over and there's no relief. And it says that the lazy man won't put in the work. Verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 25 says, The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to work. Got all these dreams, all these desires, all these things he wants to do, all this stuff. I want this, I want that, but won't do anything. That's not God's plan. That's not an anything but average life. Amen? God's got a better plan for you. And for me, and it's a plan called being diligent. People who are diligent about growing and maturing and becoming everything that God wants us to be. Proverbs 10.4 puts it like this. It says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Okay? Now, it's not saying that just because you work hard and you're diligent, you're going to get rich. But it says, if you don't work diligently, if you don't work hard, there won't be any riches. That God blesses what we put our hand to. God blesses when we say, I've heard people say, well, you know, I don't read the Bible because I don't get anything out of it. Let me tell you this. Read the Bible and then you'll get out of it. Stay with it. Stay with it. I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been doing all these things and I haven't got anything out of it yet. Let me tell you this. Don't quit. Remain diligent and you will be blessed and your life will be enriched. Amen. Amen. Uh, chapter 13, verse 4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent will be made rich. Laziness will keep us from having the ability or the desire to be generous. Let me tell you this. Diligence opens the door for blessings in our lives. It opens the door. Diligent, be diligent on your job. I believe, okay, I believe Christians should have a theology of work. First of all, let me say this. Work 
is not a part of the curse. It's not a part of the fall. Work is a glorious thing. It's a good thing. It predates the fall of man. It was an assignment for God. God said that men should work. They should labor by the sweat of their brow. And they should eat of the produce. They should be blessed by their work. Let me tell you this. I sincerely believe that Christians, men and women of God, followers of Jesus Christ, should be the best workers in any company. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. Now, how many people agree with that, right? They should, man, we should be the people that are there, we're there on time, we're there prepared to work, we're there, we put in a full day, we do what we're supposed to do, amen, so that God can be glorified and that, listen, the job's not our source, God's our source, but he uses the job to bless our lives, amen? Amen. So God wants us to be blessed. God wants us, and, and rich doesn't mean that we necessarily have every single thing we want, but what it does mean is it means we have more than enough to sustain ourselves so that we can share and live generously with others. Part of God's intention for our lives is to be a people of generosity. Amen. And, and, and seriously, let me say this to you. I'm going to talk about this. But um, man, New Covenant Church, you've always been generous. And I believe that if we're faithful in a little, God will help us to be rulers in much. Amen. I believe it's time that we're going to a new level of generosity. We're going to have a new level of influence and impact in our community. We're going to be able to touch more lives for Jesus Christ around the world and across the street. Amen? We're going to see more people saved. So we're going to see more people saved. We're going to see more people healed, set free, discipled, more people equipped, more people empowered, and more people serving in their passion, their gifting, so that they can bring glory and honor to God. Amen? Amen. That's what we're going to see more and more and more. So let's talk about generosity for just a moment. Generosity. The opposite of generosity was this. I looked it up in the dictionary. To be selfish, to be mean, to be meager, or to be barren. And one of the things I found out, that generosity is not just about the actions, it's about the heart and the spirit. Psalm 51 verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. How many people know that God is generous? I'm telling you, sometimes I think we've got this mentality or this picture of God that he's kind of this, this old miser sitting up on a throne and just doling out crumbs to people as they come back. Listen, that's not who our God is. If that's who your God is, let me tell you, that's not the God of the Bible. I mean that. Matter of fact, God is overflowing with generosity. His love is never-ending. His mercy is new every day. His grace is relentless. Amen? His goodness overflows. It floods our lives. Matter of fact, I heard that scripture um, recently where it says, you know, when evil comes in, and then uh, some translations kind of put the comma after it says, like a flood. I believe it's this. I believe when evil comes in, like a flood flood, God will raise up a standard. He'll raise up people filled with strength and faith and goodness and grace and blessing and mercy. So generosity is about the heart and the spirit. Generosity marks the character of God and it marks the life of his kids. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 says this, but I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully in abundance will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, right? 
So giving is not just about amounts. It's not about what we give. It's about our heart. So let each one purposes at purpose, give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you, say to the person sitting beside you, you, go tell them, say you, the person beside you, tell them, go ahead. I'm not speaking to you, everybody says it, say you, 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 right? Until you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, all things, not just money, all things, amen? All things may have an abundance for every good work. An abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now listen to this. This is a great section of scripture right here. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I'm believing God's going to bring increase in people's life. Anybody want an increase? I want increase. Bring increase, Lord. While you are enriched in everything, for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Listen, God wants to bless our lives, to overflow our lives, so that we can live liberally and generously, not just with our money. Now listen, I personally believe, okay, that the scripture teaches that you can't get be generous financially. You can't be generous if you haven't given God's His first, if you don't tithe. I believe generosity starts with tithing. If I gave somebody 10 dollars to go give to somebody. Okay, if I, that's a bad illustration. I was going to say, if I gave you vet ten dollars, we were riding in the car yesterday, and, um, and I, we were going to stop and get something, and I said, oh, I don't have any money with me. And she goes, oh, you've got money in your, glo your glove compartment of your car. I was like, how do you know that? She, uh, she, uh, so. so then she said, well, remember when we went on vacation, we got some cash, and you put it in your glove compartment, and um, then I was, the other day, I noticed that it was in there. I'm like, what is she doing in my glove compartment? First of all, she has her car, you know, and so, and then we're riding along. She goes, yeah, you've got a couple of $20 bills in there. I was like, man, this is interesting, Lord. I mean, I'm, this, is, this is revelatory here. I'm, so, God, you're speaking about something. And so, and so she goes, here, and she reaches in, and she pulls in there, and she goes, here's a $20 bill. And she said, and you've got a couple left. And she goes, oh, and by the way, I took one for myself the other day. <laughs> so, <laughs> if she gave you a $20 bill, I mean, she wasn't being generous. That was my money, all right? She, she, so... <laughs> If you're giving away some God's money and you haven't been given tithe yet, I don't believe you're being generous, okay? He may be using you to get it to somebody. But I think generosity starts after we've returned, after we've tithed, after we've given what the Lord has given us. We've given it back. And then we get to be generous, amen? Not just with our money, but with our lives. Verse 25, or verse 25 of chapter 11 in Proverbs says this. It says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will himself also be watered. I believe God's wanting to bring an increase, guys, into our lives. One of the dreams... One of the dreams, and who are, yeah, one of the dreams I have, uh, I believe that God has for us as New Covenant Church, and something that He's spoken in different ways at different times, is that He wants to so source us as a people and as a church 
that, that it will flow out into other people, that it will bless other churches. I mean, I do that. I pray, for our, I pray for the churches. We pray for the churches. We're not in competition with anybody, amen? We're, we're partners. We're, we're not competitors. Uh, I'm thankful for relationships with churches. In just a minute, we're going to be having communion. And guys, go ahead and get ready for communion. But, but uh, this morning, we got here, and we didn't have enough communion cups. And can I tell you, it was, it was, a glor- it, it was a, just a joyous thing in my heart to be able to pick up the phone and call another brother in the Lord. And they, they shared with us. Uh, to, and, and so I thank the Lord for that. I believe God wants to cause us to be a well source, to be so fully supplied so that we can share with others as a church, so that we can minister to others, that we can, that we can help others, and, and, and just that we can bless others. And, and not only as a church, but that's how he wants to live as families. That's how he wants us to live as individuals. Listen to this. It says in Proverbs 22.9, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. I'm telling you, you want to be blessed, then be a giver. Be someone who lives in generosity. And, and sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's bread. Uh, we say this often, and, and I, I really do. I, I hope that we'll more and more practice this. Uh, I, I, I hate the idea that we come together as a church on Sundays, and then we kind of just high-five each other and hug each other and walk out, and we don't get to know each other. Can I tell you, if you don't know some of the people in this church, you're being robbed of blessings because we've got some amazing stories. Yvette and I had breakfast yesterday with a family just to get to hear stories and to hear the goodness of God and to be blessed. by. Man, don't miss the opportunity. Sometimes you share share a smile. Sometimes you share a hug. Sometimes you, you sow a word of encouragement. Sometimes you build up somebody's most holy faith. Amen. Sometimes you let somebody know that you love them. Sometimes we're a witness in the community. Do you know that? couple brothers get together for lunch and they're, they're encouraging each other and they're praying for each other and, and man they're doing a little small group and, and they're, they're out in the community and they have prayer and, and other people see you and their faith is built up because you're living generously because you're sharing your life with other people. Listen, the one who lives liberally, the one who is generous, this person, they will be blessed. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 8 puts it this way. It says, a generous man devises, he schemes about, he thinks of generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. I don't know about you, but I want a greater degree of generosity in my life. Anybody want to be more generous? Anybody? Amen? Four of us. That's great. We're, that's great. That's great. No, oh, man, listen, don't miss out. Don't, don't let fear, don't, don't let that flop around in your life and say, well, well if, I, if, I, if I give some of my time, I'm not going to have a time for myself. Can I tell you this? I believe this. I believe if you put the things of God first, God will multiply your time. Anybody believe that? He'll make things that normally maybe take you days to get done, all of a sudden take you hours to get done. You, you wonder about putting God first, and but I've got homework, and I've got worship, th- I mean, I've got uh, homework, and I've got work things, and I've got family things, and I don't have time. Listen, let me, let me just challenge you. Let me just challenge you. Just, just try it. Try it for a month. A- anytime you get an opportunity, put the things of God first. Put, put worship for Tonight, let me challenge you. Come on out and worship. I don't have time. I TiVo the game or whatever else that's going on. If you're a Cowboy fan, you don't watch that game anyhow. Um, uh, sorry about that. But, 
But, but listen, come and just put the things of God first. Let God well, let him fill us up. Let him refresh us so that we can go out and we can give liberally to others. Amen? I believe you'll be blessed for it. I really do. You know, in Corinthians chapter um, 11, it says this. It says that, that Paul tells us a story. He says, you know, the same night that um, I received instruction from the Lord, that he said this. He said that we should, um, we should take bread and we should give thanks. We should take the cup and we should give thanks. We should receive communion together. We should share it. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, but you should do this in remembrance of me until I come. You know, it, it takes a generous life. To be able to, to be in community, to be in relationship with one another, you're going to have to open up your hearts, open up your homes, open up your schedule a little bit to be able to have fellowship one with another. But because you do that, because you do that, I, go, I believe you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. Now, how, how do we overcome these things? We know that the only way that we do it is through Christ. Amen? Through Christ. So let me just ask you to do this this morning. Would you bow your head just for a moment? Just to, and while you're doing this, just prepare your heart. We did it earlier, but say, God, is there anything in my heart today that would be a hindrance to you? Is there anything, God, of, of fear? Is there anything of, of, of laziness and not diligence? Is there anything of... Of, of God that just selfishness or pride and not of, not of generosity, God, that you would want to purge out of my life. God, am I trying to live my life on my own? Am I putting my trust in myself instead of putting my trust in you? And today, God, I want to put my trust in you. And so let me ask this question. If there's somebody here today that maybe you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, but you say, I'd like to. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I I want His strength in my life. I want Him to fill my life up so I can live diligently, live generously, live fully and completely. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up real quickly and write back down and say, I, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life today. Is there anybody at all? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Jesus loves you this morning. He wants to give you a, a life that's filled with His presence and with His blessings and so, so let's, let's just say this this morning. Let's say, God, we thank you this morning for loving us and for caring about us. We thank you for, for fully supplying our life with everything that we need, with grace and forgiveness, God, with, with your goodness. And Jesus, we really do. We welcome you to come into our lives and to live in us and to live through us for your glory and for your honor. And God, right now, as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, to receive both the the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we say thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that, you, that you, 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 didn't, you didn't slack off. You finished, God. You finished strong, Jesus. You finished the job and you, and you did it because you loved us. You gave liberally. You gave all that you had so, God, that our lives could be filled with everything that we need. So, God, today as we receive this cup, God, we, we, remind, we, we were reminded that you really are coming back. And, and God, until you come back, we want to be your people living, God, an anything but average life. Living in your power. Living in your love. Living in your goodness. And so we thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Gentlemen, would you please serve everyone the, the cup and the bread? Thank you, Lord. If you'll just take the cup and take the bread and hold it, we'll receive that together this morning.
Thank you, Brian. Thank you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, while the brothers are serving, let me remind you of something, okay? When we, when we take this bread, we're saying, God, I receive everything that's made available to me through the, through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says this. It says that, that Jesus offered his body. He bore stripes upon his body that, that we could have healing in our bodies. And you don't have to raise your hand this morning, but I know that there are people here this morning that said, you know what? I need healing in my life. I need healing in my physical body. I need healing in my emotions. I need healing in a relationship, God. And today, Lord, I welcome you just to bring healing. The Bible says that, um, that His peace, He gives us peace. This morning, if, if your life is not filled with just an abundance of peace, can I tell you this, that you can receive peace today because Jesus Christ loves you. You can receive peace. Not, you don't have to worry and fret. You don't have to go it on your own and make it happen in your own strength. He loves you today. Just, just, he really does love you. And I want to see that happen. And of course the blood not only represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ which takes away the sin of the world, but it represents, I believe, that as we receive this cup, I believe it, we receive the fullness, we receive just the presence, a renewing of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there are people here today who just need to be renewed. Sometimes, you know, the Bible, when uh, I heard somebody say this one time in Ephesians, the Bible says, be ye continually being filled with the Spirit. Why do Christians need to continually be filled with the Spirit? They said, because Christians leak. <laughs> Anybody ever find themselves just kind of a little bit worn down, a little bit drained? And can I tell you today, as we receive this cup, I believe we can receive refreshing from the Holy Spirit. We can see, receive renewal from the Holy Spirit. And I want to see Him do that in every man, every woman, every boy and girl here today. God loves you. I love you. I want to see God's very best in your life.